today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, Tom Brady gets a travel gig. Southwest is scrambling to get a new deal with pilots and flight attendants. And if you're headed to Vegas, free parking on the Strip may soon be a thing of the past. Those stories next in the news. Severe air turbulence injures hundreds of flyers every year. In our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, we give you a few easy reminders on how to stay out of harm's way. Burning Man was quite the spectacle this year in the Nevada desert. At 335, we're joined by Jim Jacoby, who gives us a first-person recap. Broadway Sacramento 2023-24 season begins next week, and Scott Clear joins us at 350 to run down the schedule of shows. Thanks for joining us on our new day in time. Here to make you a smarter traveler, we are the Travel Guys. On the road again. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys, as always, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Thanks for coming along. Here we are on week two of our new time, Saturdays at 11. Uh, Thanks for joining us. If you're joining us for the first time, stick around. We're here to make you a smarter traveler. And for you regular listeners, well, (laughs) thanks for being one. Good to see you, Mark. Hope everything has been well this week. What's new with you? Thank you, sir. Uh, it's been an interesting week at Sports Leisure Vacations. We are in what is known as catalog mode. So we're furiously putting together trips for next year in anticipation of putting out our annual catalog of tours the first month of October to uh, probably about 500 people at the Marriott Hotel. If you're so, if you're a sports leisure traveler and you haven't already, space is getting kind of limited for our tour preview day. There are 9 and 12 o'clock pre- presentations on Saturday, October the 7th, and if you're a mature traveler and you have never heard of sports leisure vacations before, but you enjoy traveling, we might have something for you. We do day trips and extended tours all around the planet, really, and uh, I'm a little prejudiced, but I happen to think some of the nicest people on the whole planet travel with sports leisure vacations, so... Um, if you are, if you're interested, go, you can go to sportsleisure.com and find out some more information about all of that stuff. All right. Good news. Good news. Um, clearly, uh, people are traveling again and uh, when sports leisure vacations and I know your staff has been extremely busy. So if you're interested in uh, some of Mark's trips, you want to. Make sure to, what is it, the early bird uh, gets the worm kind of deal. All right, at the top of every Travel Guys radio program, we start off by bringing you up to date on the travel news. And with it, here's Mark. Been an interesting month in travel. You know, the first thing to start out with, there's a hurricane out in the Atlantic that is still at least a week or 10 days, Hurricane Lee, uh, that's going to be Category 5. And uh, may very well miss the entire U.S. mainland, might hit some of the uh, the islands out there in the Atlantic, and also the Maritimes uh, north in Canada may get hit if it goes the way it's supposed to. Let's hope that it does go the way it's supposed to because it is a big hurricane and could have some impact on travelers. We'll have some, probably an update on that, I'm guessing, next week. 
Uh, new data shows that domestic and international airline traffic grew in July and August. Um, July traffic rose 21 percent uh, versus nineteen twenty four versus 2022. And interestingly enough, was 8.3 percent ahead of July 2019. So I think you can say that from a travel standpoint, uh, the economy has certainly returned to what it was pre-COVID. Uh, headline says from our friends at Travel Pulse, new U.S. bullet train development hits a snag. They're working on a train on the other side of the country um, from Boston to New York to Washington. But there is a problem. Of course, we're working on one here in California and have been for a while. I don't want to talk too much about it because it's too depressing. I'd say the least. I think the first segment's going to be like between Merced and Madeira or something like that. But right. anyway, the idea is that eventually we're going to have a train from San Francisco to Los Angeles. I'm not sure how that helps those of us in Sacramento too much. But Amtrak is ready to roll out its highly anticipated bullet train in the Northeast Corridor from Boston to New York to Washington. There's only one problem. The tracks themselves literally cannot handle the speed of the bullet train. Duh. There are quite a few sections on the 450-mile track, my friend, between Boston and Washington that are not able to handle. Amtrak pitched the the bullet train is a quicker, cheaper, and more environmentally friendly alternative to driving or flying. And when you consider that, you can go to a train station and 15 minutes before the train starts and hop on the train. You don't have to do an hour and a half or two hours like you do at the airport. And getting off the train is a little simpler. So there are some time considerations there. But uh, some sections of the track on the East Coast are too old to handle the bullet train. And therefore, the train is going to have to run slower than usual. That is about the same speed as a regular train. Who was in charge of that? Right. Well, why aren't they? I'm guessing that they're planning on, you know, uh, improving that stretch of the uh of the tracks sooner or later, so they'll be able to go, uh, what, uh, 100-plus, I don't know how fast this bullet train's supposed to go, and then they're going to have to slow down for the crappy areas. Is that the idea? It's This is interesting. A former director of the Federal Railroad Administration uh, and a member of the group that's trying to bring high-speed rail to California says, uh, Lewis Thompson says, quote, until we are serious about high speed rail in the same way that we were serious about the interstate highways, we're highly unlikely to see a national high speed rail system. Well, there you go. So good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, good point. It wasn't th- those interstate highways. Remember, that was President Eisenhower's idea that didn't all happen by accident. So uh, his his point is well taken that until we get a little more serious about it, why we're probably not likely to see Anything that's going to help us too much. Southwest Airlines and also American Airlines. We've been following this story all summer and talking about how airline strikes are really few and far between. They don't happen very often. But two of the nation's top five airlines have labor problems. Southwest has yet to reach an agreement with its pilots. um, And American has to deal with its flight attendants. And so um, Southwest actually has to deal with its flight attendants and its pilots. So they've got a little bit of a kind of a double whammy there. Um, folks want more money. Things cost more. Uh, more money for people like pilots and flight attendants, though, is going to mean that airline tickets are going to cost more, which has already been an issue. Um, Southwest has been working with the National Mediation Board, and so we'll see what happens. But we, we know from what we have already learned 
is that United Pilots, Delta Pilots, uh, pilots are signing deals that give them more money. So don't expect Southwest and American to be left behind. Nobody's talking strike yet, but we'll see what happens. More Las Vegas Strip Hotels are adding paid parking. The Venetian and the Palazzo Resorts, which are sister hotels on the Strip, have started paid parking programs. Um, for many, many years, it's been traditional. And, Tom, I know you, you go to Las Vegas once in a while. Yep. Um, parking has always been free there on the Strip. You pulled into the parking lot and parked your car, went in and spent your money. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, here again, I don't stay in Vegas for very long. And uh, I have I've just by boat. No rental car here. I, I do the Uber thing. It's it's yep. solves a lot of problems. One of them being I don't care whether they're charging for parking or not. Uh, yep. My my biggest concern is is it does seem that when you take rideshare, regardless, sometimes the walk from where you are to where you pick up your Uber can uh, can be a ways because they don't accommodate. Uh, like they do with taxis who can pick up right in front of the hotel. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, so you, you do have uh, you got to schlep it once in a while to another location. Well, the Wynn Resort is supposed to be next. Um, they're saying it's not really a revenue generating move, although obviously if you charge people for parking, you're going to take in some money. But it's more of a move to discourage free parking for people who just park their cars and walk the strip. This article uh, comes from Travel Pulse from Rich Tomaselli. And uh, Rich did a good job of, of, of explaining the fact that what's happening now is people are going out and just parking their cars and then roaming up and down the strip. So that's not – the hotels are not as interested in that as they were if you were going in the building mm-hmm. and spending your money. So let's see what happens. Another way to sway to squeeze people who head to Las Vegas. You probably heard about this story, Tom. It's been – floating around, so to speak, for about a week. Uh, The Delta flight from Atlanta to Barcelona, which had to turn around and and go back home uh, because one of the flyers on the flight had uh, a a bit of a a problem. Um, And the problem went pretty much all over the airplane. And there are pictures. Um, A passenger had a, a bowel problem. And the rest uh, you so can they, figure out on your own. Yes. Yeah. Rest, <laughs> that's exactly it. It was considered by the airline to be a biohazard. So they went back. And all I can say is that I am glad that I was not on that plane. Speaking of guys on planes, Tom Brady has signed a deal as a long term strategic advisor for Delta Airlines. Huh? Maybe that's because he throws the ball a long ways. You know, it makes no sense at all. No, it really doesn't. But uh, uh, my guess is he's going to be a a spokesperson. Yeah. For Delta and uh, in the Delta, he will support Delta's work to positively impact regions where employees live and work, inspiring the next generation of leaders. In other words, this is a press release and they didn't really say exactly. It looks like maybe more instead of a spokesperson, he may be more of a conduit between Delta and its employees. A motivational speaker. There you go. There you go. So mm-hmm. congratulations to Tom Brady. Doesn't look like he was going to be out. He's going to be out of work, out of work as long as we perhaps thought that he might. Anyways, that's Tom Brady's got another job, and that's your travel news for today. Mark, we've talked a lot in the past about uh, flying and wearing your seatbelt and air turbulence and so forth. Uh, let's Let's dig a little deeper into this and see if we can help 
keep people safe uh, when they fly? Well, um, and 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 bef- this happens on a regular basis, and I know that I fly a lot, and I, it's not completely uncommon for me to, you know, the flight attendant will say, all right, you know, buckle up now. We need to, it's getting rough, and we need everybody to buckle up, and I'll reach down and realize, oh, my goodness, I don't have my seatbelt on. You know, I got up to go to the restroom or I got up to put something in the overhead or rearrange something, and I sat back down, and I didn't put the belt back on. So I fly all the time, and I really make an effort. I ride on a lot of motor coaches and sit in the front seat. And you don't have to put a seatbelt on on a bus, but seatbelts are on buses, and they're there for a reason, especially if you're up in the front where you've got that big windshield in front of you. Why then, you know, that's, that's not a bad idea. So it's not like I'm never exposed to this, but I guess my point is that it's easy to forget. And it's also easy, you know, the things that the flight attendants say all the time and tell you to do or not to do, and it's easy to block all of that out too, but it's really not very wise because um, there are upwards of an average of about five dozen people a year from our country who end up in a hospital because they didn't have their seatbelt on on an airplane and the plane hit a serious bump. And they went flying or something that they had or something that somebody else had went flying and hit them. So it's, you know, yes, the, the, the odds of it happening are not that great, but it does happen. And so I thought that it would be um, good to have uh, our friends at Travelers United weigh in on this and maybe give folks just a few reminders of, of what you should be doing on an airplane, obviously, fasten your seatbelt. It's the single most important action that you can take when you get on an airplane. It's probably one of the most important actions you can take when you get into an automobile. So it's For like sure. washing your hands when you come out of the bathroom. You know, it's a good thing to do on a regular basis. Babies and children. This is interesting because airlines allow you to bring what they call a lap child. The kid is under two mm-hmm. and isn't too large. You can carry the child in basically not have a seat for the child experts say eh, even though that's legal don't do it small children should be safely restrained in a standard seat or seat belt in an approved child safety seat so if your kid is too small to be able to be accommodated on by the airplane safety belt then you should have a car seat and the child should be accommodated that way it's because turbulence can exert a lot of force on the human body as much as two and a half G's. So no parent is capable of holding a child under those circumstances. There are, if you hit severe turbulence, um, you're a parent and you're concerned about the safety of your child. So I'm telling you that if you hit severe turbulence, there's it's entirely possible the child goes flying if the child isn't restrained in some way. So A, why would you do that to your child? And B, why would you do that to somebody else? Good point, um, good point. Yeah, well, and it, that's exactly it. And here comes this, why would you do it to somebody else? Stow your gear. Same thing. You get on the plane, you put some stuff under the seat. Now you're getting into that stuff during the flight, and maybe it's not all quite tucked as much under the seat as it should be, and you got out your laptop at one point, and you didn't put it completely away. You just kind of laid it down there so that if the plane hits a bump and things go flying, that laptop could end up God knows where as a part of somebody's face or body or whatever. So it is important when you've got things on the airplane, not only from your standpoint, but other people, those things can become projectiles. So when you're on the plane, make sure when you put things away that you put them away properly. 
Because if you don't, there's a downside to that. And it might just be for you. The last thing is really very obvious, but I've seen it happen before. People get up on a plane to put something into or take something out of the overhead. They don't quite get it right. They sit back down. They think they've snapped the overhead, but it pops open as they sit down. Or it pops open a couple of minutes later when the plane hits a small bump, and now you've got all of this stuff exposed. So when you get into the overhead bin, make sure that you that the bin is secure. You know, close it. Now tap on it a couple of times there just to make sure that you've got a bin that's that's closed. So those are four really simple things. Fasten your seatbelt. Think twice about that baby in arms, that child in arms rule. If you can secure your child in a seat on an airplane by the seat and and pay for the child to be in their seat, making sure that your gear is stowed that is under your seat that you've gotten out and making sure that if you've gotten something out of the overhead that you've securely closed it so the overhead doesn't come open and all of those things don't go flying around the airplane. Wow, good point. You know, I have a uh, I have a granddaughter who's just under two, and uh, she's going to be taking a Disneyland flight. Oh wow! And uh, this will be her last free flight as a lap child. And right. now, Mark, you have me thinking about my projectile granddaughter, and I'm not real happy with my choice. I might have to make arrangements to buy one more seat so that she can have a. She can have a seat belt. Like I say, I know that, uh, you know, uh, come uh, September 20th and beyond, uh, she will uh, she'll be buying her own seat. Uh, We'll we'll be buying one for her. I actually I put her to work, so she'll be buying her own. But at any any rate. uh, So, yeah, we're we're facing that particular situation. It's a short trip, but it uh, it's still uh, it still presents the same dangers. Yeah, it does. And for people who. who in other situations, really, some folks who will get even a little over gregarious about protecting their children, and then they get on an airplane and carry the child on the plane. Now, there are ways to secure the child so that it's not just you're not just holding the child, but rather the, the child is in a pouch or a container in case the airplane does hit a bump. Doesn't necessarily mean that that uh, Joey goes flying across the airplane, but it is interesting. And it, it also, to me, it's not only from the child standpoint, but that child is going to have to land somewhere. So there you go. Hey, a couple of other things that we have talked about here. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about if a penalty was collected from for an airline for leaving people on the tarmac or whatever rule they had broken, why don't we give that money back to the people? Travelers United asked folks that question. And the answer, who or, or what should the penalties collected from airlines go to? Given to the passengers affected by the airline misdemeanors, 78%. Yes. That's a, almost 8 out of 10. That's pretty solid. Put into a pool to be awarded to passengers as needed. So... That's not giving it to necessarily to the people who are impacted, but to people who are impacted by other airline very uh, violations, safety violations. That's thirteen percent. So between the two, that's ninety-one. And then finally, given to the government to improve air traffic control and air safety, nine uh, percent. So nine out of ten people felt that. Yeah, maybe we should. Maybe that money could come back. And you know, we've got to ask. Our buddy Chris Elliott about this next week because in many cases you see these fines that airlines have to pay, and in many cases they get half the fine back. And I want to ask Chris about that how how that works 
Um, some of these fines are not that big, and the airline gets half of it back or gets half of it back to give back to um, future customers that are impacted. To me, uh, if if it's the same deal as the airline doesn't bring your bag and you paid them 30 or 35 bucks to, to bring your suitcase on the plane with you, and the plane you get there and the bag's not there. And they say, well, it'll be in on the next flight. We'll deliver it to you tomorrow. Well, I call BS on that. I mean, if the bag isn't there, I paid you to bring the bag to me. I'm here. You brought me. You fulfilled part of the contract. We had an additional contract for the suitcase. So where the heck is my bag? And if it isn't here, the least you can do, the least you can do is refund what I char- what you charged me to handle the suitcase. Does that not seem logical? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, it, in any civil case where uh, you're, you've sue somebody you've done wrong a judge decides and and uh, proclaims uh, somebody the winner uh the the money that is uh, awarded goes directly to the to person who was armed and i don't understand why it it's not the same thing when it comes to uh the airlines there's conflicting comments here but some people feel that the rules already say that so next time we get Charlie Yoko on or something like that, why we'll ask him about this. But to, because to me, it just seems like it's amazing that it, it would be like going to a restaurant, having them not bring your meal and then bring you the bill and charging you for it. I, I, it just to me, it, it's completely inconceivable. Anyway, that's enough of that for now. It's been a few years. We've had guests on before to talk about a one of a kind event that happens out in the Nevada desert about this time of the year. And that, of course, is Burning Man. So, Mark, uh, you rounded up uh, someone you know that attended probably one of the most unique Burning Man events of all time, and that was uh, 2023. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it, it, to say that the one of the most Burning Man event, unique Burning Man events, Burning Man is unique in itself. For sure. So uh, we're joined by Jim Jacoby. Jim is a good buddy of mine who has been to – Jim, how many Burning Mans have you been to? This is my 23rd. 23rd? You there's been some gaps though you don't go every year is that right well i the two years of covid it was closed but yeah i've gone every year since 1999 wow wow so this was the most unique unusual circumstance that's putting it mildly um no one could envision just how bad the weather can be i mean you expect dust storms you expect it 110 degrees um one year it went from 28 degrees to 105 in 36 hours. So you expect the unexpected, but torrential rain is not what most people had in mind when they think about going out to the dry Nevada desert. Now, now you said that it wasn't just this rain that was a problem, but a previous rain that kind of set the event up for the kill. Yeah, the week before when the hurricane, which downgraded a tropical storm, blew through Nevada, it hit uh, Burning Man, the site where it's at, you know, right in the bullseye. And so it saturated the playa. And so when it rained this time, normally it would just be sucked up like a sponge. But because there was no place for the water to go because it was already hypersaturated, the water, well, didn't go anywhere and made the place just a muddy, unbelievable mess. Wow. Jim, I understand that uh, it was so muddy that it would, some people felt that it was when they tried to walk, it was almost like being in quicksand. Did you, did you experience yeah, that? Yeah, I would say, imagine um, a cement that's half been poured and is maybe a third way from drying. 
and walking through that it would stick to your feet and you couldn't walk anywhere. It ruined shoes. I mean, I don't know how many pairs of socks I just trashed because wearing shoes was impossible. It's all an alkaline desert. And so they would use this stuff to use for mortar. If you're going to build a, a prairie home, it would be perfect for that. Jim, for those are listening to the travel guys today that for whatever the reason really have not stayed up to date and don't really know what Burning Man is all about, just give me just a, a quick what it is and uh, kind of an overview as to what goes on there. Yeah, the first thing is it's what it isn't. It's not a music festival. Uh, there's music, but um, it's an arts festival of the eclectic. Um, you're not going to find Monet's or Rembrandt's out there, certainly, but people build structures. Um, different types of theme camps have their own um, personality. Like there's Barbie Death Camp, which is 1,400 Barbies, you know, marching into an Easy Bake Oven, uh, as an example. Uh, it's kind of a celebration of the weird, and it's not for everybody. I tell people that if nudity and weirdness offend you, don't go, um, because they have their own set of rules, and they're not the rules of regular society, and that's not for everybody. I can appreciate that. Um, if you're of the ilk that you need to have everything kind of defined for you on the straight and narrow, I would say go to Disneyland, not Burning Man. Jim, let me let, let me ask you, with this unusual circumstance and all the lousy weather and everything, did people come together and pitch in? I mean, was it... Was the, was the experience salvaged just – it was a different experience, or did it just all go to hell in a handbasket? Um, it was a different experience. Most people – I can only speak for my camp, but uh, I think most people came together and worked out as one. Um, the worst part, when they had rain for 14 straight hours, you couldn't go anywhere, was the sheer boredom. I mean, no one brings a book out there. No one brings a radio. And so you're just kind of huddling in your – or RV, or in my case, a box truck, um, with nowhere to go. And when we talk about Burning Man and coming together and what went right and what went wrong, one of the things I keep seeing on the news and hearing from people is they've got, you know, porta potties out there for people to use naturally. And they, I keep hearing that they were broken down, they couldn't be um, emptied. That simply isn't true. There was, um, they had four wheel drive vehicles emptying out the porta potties. Replacing the toilet paper, yeah, sure, it was muddy, but it wasn't the apocalypse that I watch on the local news. We're talking but, with Jim Jacoby a little bit about his experience at Burning Man, uh, which which turned into a, a little bit of a different experience than it was. Jim, let me ask you: Did they burn? Did did they burn the man at the end of the event? I mean, there was some discussion as to whether or not that was actually going to happen. Yeah, it happened Monday night. Uh, they burned the man. Um, and I talked with one of the organizers of Burning Man. It's cheaper to burn it than to disassemble it. And so they were going to burn it no matter what. Um, <laughs> it comes down to a matter of pure economics. Um, and so they didn't have the manpower or the ability to disassemble it and schlep it back to San Francisco. So they were going to burn it no matter what. Um, and they did, and it was a beautiful sight. There you go. We're going to burn the man, rain or shine. Uh, yeah. I understand that, uh, in, in, well, I saw on the news and heard people talking about it, that, that getting out of Burning Man, uh, which is probably an hour or so out of Reno, um, took way longer. 
as a result of uh, the weather situation. Is, is that accurate? That's absolutely accurate. If you waited around to leave after they burnt the man on Monday night, uh, you were in line eight to ten hours to just to get out because they, they call it pulsing. They have eight lanes of roads, and it ultimately ends up being one lane to get out. And they'll send like 200 cars at a time, 50 yards, so then you turn off your engines. Most people in the past, you know, some people would leave Saturday, some leave on Friday, some leave on Sunday, some leave on Monday. Well, in this case, everybody left all at once. And so it was a floodgate of RVs and you know trucks trying to get out of there. Last year, it was a mess. This year made last year look like, you know, wide open freeway on, you know, <laughs> Highway 50 going across Nevada. Jim, uh, I, people I've talked to about Burning Man, they, some of them said it changed their life, mainly because the of the philosophy of don't leave any of your stuff behind. They, they, they try to, you know, you go, you, you party, you have a great time, and then you pick up every single piece of crap that you brought with you and take it out. Uh, is, is, that, uh, is that the case? Well, historically, it's absolutely the case. Um, leave no trace is their mentor. And I would say that was probably pretty accurate this year, but because of the, of the rains and the mud, things get stuck, things get covered over with mud, you can't see it. When it dries out, when it blows off, they'll appear. So this year is going to be worse than normal, but historically, they're really, really good about cleaning off the playa and making it um, as pristine as it was before they came in. This year, that's going to be a bit of a challenge, and I think the organization um, has their hands full, but I'm confident that when it's all said and done, they will do a very good job of making the Black Rock Desert uh, the pristine service that it needs to be. Jim, any last uh, observations or for anybody who's who's never been to Burning Man and maybe is is thinking that this might be something they might want to go to in the future? Do you have any any words of wisdom before we let you go? Yeah, I would say um, first thing, it's a very noisy place, and so bring uh, earplugs, some way to drown out the sound because if you're like me, if you're a light sleeper in the middle of the night, the boom 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 of the noise can be very annoying, and I would. Uh, Try to go in comfort. Tent, if you're going to go in a tent, have something over the tent so when the sun rises in the morning and it's 100 degrees by 10 a.m., you don't bake like a potato. But it's, um, it's an interesting experience. Leave your politics behind. If you're a news junkie, forget about it. I didn't know about Trey Lance being traded. Heard nothing about any of that. And I would have thought that that would have been big news. Um, you're pretty much in a vacuum as far as news and information-wise and your computers won't work. Your cell phones are useless unless you want to take pictures with them. So you're kind of going back to the dark ages in the 21st century. Wow. Jim Jacoby, our uh, Burning Man expert for 2023. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate your time, buddy. Thank you, gentlemen. You bet. Bye. So, Tom, have you ever had any desire to go to Burning Man? Uh, kind of a yes and no. I am very much intrigued by... By all that goes on, I'd like to see it, but I just don't think I have it in me to, uh, you know, especially at my age now, <laughs> uh, to schlep out into the middle of the desert to do this. You know, had you asked me 30 years ago, I would have probably, and you were going, I'd say, yeah, let's go, Mark. 
How yeah, about you? Well, I'm kind of on the same page as you. I'm a guy who likes running water and flush toilets, although the whole concept of going out there and doing that sounds like it might be fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you and I will have to settle for watching the uh, uh, watching the documentary. We'll just relive it with our friends like Jed and uh, Jim and, and folks who, who go out there and, and, and we're, we're out. We're with them in spirit. There you go. Our special guest today, Scott Clear, CEO, Broadway Sacramento, taking over for Richard Lewis. And uh, so glad to have you with us today, Scott, to uh, pick up where Richard left off, if you will. Happy to be here. You have, Scott, a really varied um, seven-show schedule, and I wanted to give you an op at Broadway on tour here in, in Sacramento for the 23-24 season. It's starting up very soon, and uh, so tell us about the first show and a little about the rest of the schedule, if you can. Happy to. Uh, we uh, start up in September, which is rare for us to kick off a Broadway on tour season so early. Um, but this is when Hades Town was available to play the Safe Credit Union Performing Arts Center, and that is running September 19th through the 24th. It was the 2019 Tony Award winner for Best Musical, a fantastic show, great storytelling, really compelling music. Um, I'm really excited to share it with our audience. Can you give us a one-two-line synopsis of, of what folks might expect if they haven't heard of Hadestown? Hadestown is a reinterpretation of two mythic tales, Orpheus and, and Eurydice and uh, King Hades and Persephone. Um, and it's spun in the context of a Louisiana style of music and atmosphere. Um, it's uniquely theatrical and highly compelling. I, I knew very little of it before I saw it on Broadway and was absolutely transported by it. Sounds like something a, a little bit outside the box for Sacramento, which, um, congratulations. I've, I've seen a few of those in, in recent years, and I, I, I know as a tour operator who, who tries to select things that people want to buy, just like you do in the theater, um, you know, it's it's you 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 would like to be on the cutting edge, and you'd like to be bringing things that are that are unique and uh, uh, that that take people a little bit out of their comfort zone. But then again, you got to sell the tickets. So, anyways, Hades Town sounds like a perfect example. In October, you bring one of the most classic Broadway shows of all time to town, Les Miserables. Les Miserables returns to Sacramento. Thankfully, it is uh, probably one of our most requested titles and uh, has been seen all over the world and is probably the most emotionally charged show in our canon of musicals. And then you follow that with a show that I, I know a lot of sports leisure travelers saw this in the city last year, so I'm sure they can't wait for it to get back here. Uh, the Temptation Story of Ain't Too, Ain't Too Proud. That's uh, another Sacramento premiere for us, and uh, it, it follows the Temptations from their beginnings in Detroit all the way through their, their you know, arrival in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, Scott, you, you've got a, a very special Christmas show for folks who are looking for something for the family. Tell us a little bit about the Dr. Seuss event. How the Grinch Stole Christmas will play just after the holiday. I think it's a great way for families to wrap up the holiday season. The, the classic uh, Dr. Seuss tale uh, brought to life in Broadway form. It incorporates the, the songs that you know and love from the television special. Um, it's it's going to be, I think, uh, again, a special way to, uh, to wrap up the holiday season. Now, Fo you have a variety of season ticket 
packages. Those are still available, right? Season tickets, I believe, that the window to purchase those are are out, but almost all of our titles have single tickets available on sale now, with the exception of Annie and Jagged Little Pill. Those go on sale October 6th. And I was going to ask you about the three shows after the first of the year, six, um, Annie and Jagged Little Pill. Um, Jagged Little Pill is a little bit of an adult show. Um, Annie is not. Six is kind of in the middle. Exactly right. You know, uh, six uh, took Broadway by storm, you know, and it, it came from the U.K. It is this this fun marriage of British history and uh, and, and pop history. It's it's the, the wives of Henry VIII meet the Spice Girls, and um, it is it is great fun. <laughs> Interesting, interesting concept. I, I like that. <laughs> that's a great description. That's a great description. Um, you just had Scott. You you folks just had uh, just finished your music circus season. Anything you'd like to share about that? We were thrilled with it, and uh, it, the turnout for this past summer was fantastic. And uh, and we gave our audience. Um, Six unique experiences. It was it was delightful to see uh, seats filled and and people happy to get back to to uh, uh, to the music circus. You finished your summer with a salute to the man who's uh, who's been on this program a number of times and 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 really, if you asked somebody, you know, who's theater in Sacramento for the last several decades. The answer would be Richard Lewis. Um, how did the you you did a, a wonderful Broadway tribute to Richard? How did that come out? It was an incredible evening for an incredible man. Uh, ten Broadway stars showed up to do uh, material from their Broadway shows, shows that they premiered. You know, uh, performing roles that they won awards for. You know, in his honor, and we had great food and drink, wonderful conversation. With um, with all of those in attendance, it was uh, it was a night we were all proud of and, and and really happy to take part in. Scott, I've been taking people out of town for theater for forty plus years. Um, take folks to New York a couple of times a year and to to other entertainment events in other places. And one thing that strikes me is that in the old days. The big shows never made it to Sacramento until the second or third time around. But, uh, dude, you're cutting in on my territory a little bit here. Um, the shows are starting to show up in Sacramento a lot sooner than they used to, um, sometimes even right on the back of an appearance in San Francisco. So what that tells me is that the demand for good quality theater and people's willingness to pay to see good quality theater in this town is that that Sacramento is growing up when it comes to, to theater. Would you agree? I would say that our audience is one of the most loyal in the country. You know, and you can blame big titles arriving in Sacramento sooner than you might remember on Richard Lewis and his relationships with the Broadway community. And, uh, and I look forward to continuing that tradition. Our special guest today, Scott Clear, CEO, Broadway Sacramento, spending a little bit of time with the Travel Guys I hope it's going well for you, Scott. It sounds like it is to me. So uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on and being with the Travel and Entertainment guys. It's it's really my pleasure. We will put a link to Broadway on Tour. Uh, since we're on a new day and a new time here, and we might have a little bit of a new audience. We might even have somebody listening to this program who's brand new to Sacramento, loves the arts, 
And all I can tell you is, um, you've this little this little used to be a cow town. Now has grown up, and uh, we got some pretty good we got some pretty good entertainment here in town. So you go to travelguysradio.com. You can find the link to Broadway on tour. As Scott said, tickets are available for all seven of the shows that they will have between now and the third week of May next year. Scott, thanks for coming along and giving us a little bit of a of a recap of things. And if something something big or exciting comes up, why uh, give us a shout. We would love to have you back. Look forward to talking to you again soon. I think the biggest takeaway from that, Tom, is that theater is doing well in Sacramento. It did well this summer and it's and the, the Scott sounds like he's doesn't sound like any panic in his voice. So and and it, it, he mentioned loyalty and I I I would agree with that. Well, you know, uh, it's all very good seeing that they spent a, a couple of bucks to put the new theater together with anticipation mm-hmm. that it wouldn't help make a difference. And clearly, with the quality of the shows and the quality of the venue, uh, I think they're set to go. So there people you go. talk about music circus in the theater business all over the country. Uh, whether they've uh, people who have never played here before or something, you 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 get into a conversation. I get into conversations happens once a year. People in New York City, and they're like, "Oh, you're from Sacramento? Well, that's where the music circus is from." And they start talking about that, and they'll start talking about Richard. And usually, they've got stories that you, you've never heard before. But what it tells you is that there is um, that you know Sacramento. We we've been accused on more than one occasion over the years of being a cow town. And so it's just fun now to watch Sacramento from a cultural arts standpoint kind of grow up. And we're, we're getting bigger names and bigger shows and getting them sooner. They're staying longer and all that kind of jazz. And for somebody like me who takes people to see those things, why it, it costs me a buck or two, but it sure is fun to see your town kind of move into the big leagues, so to speak. Amen to that. All right, my friends, wrapping up another edition of actually the second edition on a Saturday of the Travel Guys. Thanks for coming along. Don't forget now links to where you can get Broadway Sacramento tickets and all can be found at TravelGuysRadio.com. And we will see you next week right here. Our good buddy Chris Elliott will be joining us. We'll tackle a number of great travel interviews. If you enjoyed Chris's column in the Sacramento Bee in the old days, make sure you're with us next week because we're going to cover a whole month's worth of topics with Chris. In the meantime, dance like nobody's watching. Stay well, my friends. See you next Saturday, 11 a.m. Travel.